Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, good morning. Good morning, sir. We have one of those power-packed programs. A great program notice today. That, notice that power power-packed program today. We've got um, in the studios with us today is Caldwell Hughes and Terry Rogers, and they're going to talk a little bit about how much insurance or life insurance do you buy? We've got a couple of things we're going to be doing over the next months about property and casualty and health insurance. But today, you know, everybody kind of goes through that scenario of how much do I really need? And then I want to ask them that permanent question is, you know, how do you, okay, what kind do you buy? And these guys are dealing with professionals all the time, and they're into it, really dealing with that, and do a great job counseling their their clients and stuff. So from our offices, that's what really what I want to talk about with them, because I feel like that so many times people uh, either either get sold too much or sold the wrong kind. And so for our program today, I really want these guys to give our listeners some very solid information about how much do you buy and then what kind do you buy. But the second half of the program, you're going to shine, man. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I mean, I just step back and ride with you. Well, well, we'll see. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how do you sleep through a market correction? How do you, how do you set yourself up to where you don't have to worry when the market corrects? That we're going to give them some thoughts and some ways right. to consider that. I mean, you know, it's not so much that we're talking about sleep because that's really it's kind of a scenario. But the reality is it's, the, it's, it's kind of some thought processes that says, okay, if, if the market has a correction, because really, if you look at the market since the beginning of the year, we're only up about 2 2.5%. That's right. And uh, so it's you know, kind of normal. May, so. you know, if you look at last year about this time, it was up over 13%. So uh, bottom line is this is kind of a muddling through market, but everybody's talking about a correction. We've got potential deflation in Europe and uh, – Everybody's kind of a little bit concerned about that. So I want you to kind of guide us through some thought processes that we can say, okay, if we need to do something, how do we go about this process? What? And you've got some great numbers and some great past history stuff that I think is great. Plus, you're really going to talk about the diversification portfolio and offering to our clients, to our listeners, if they want a copy of this particular piece of material – they can simply, all they have to do is send us a self-addressed stamped envelope, and we will send it to them. That's uh, sending it to, we'll give out the address later on, but it's, obviously I can sell it, 2176 West Street, Germantown, Tennessee, 38138, and address it to Keith Quinn. You'll get it in the mail to him. But I think what people need to be doing, our listeners need to understand, is this is something that would give them a visual of what a diversified portfolio looks like. And, man, it's great stuff. Right. It's it's a piece that we call a Callan chart, and it really just shows you the return of different categories over the last, you know, however many years. So we can see how emerging markets did. We can see. <clears throat> Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm just, I just want to make sure that we don't tell anybody. I, I really want, want everybody to think, what do they think, one, the, the last 10 years has been the best performer? 
And so I, I know you were headed down a path to, to talk about that, but uh, we're going to wait till the second half of the program to disclose the best performing category. I don't know that I can wait. Patience Why? is not my strong suit. <laughs> Patience. Patience, my man. Patience. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990. Of course, you can always listen to us in one of three ways, either on the radio at AM 990, go onto the Internet, search for our homepage, kwam990.com, just click on Watch and Listen Live and listen to us on the Internet, or go to the App Store, search for our free mobile app, KWAM990, download the app, and listen to us on your mobile device. We're going to go to traffic weather, uh, check out what's going on in New York, but stick around. We will be right back with Terry Rogers and Caldwell Hughes to talk about how much life insurance do you actually need. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're speaking with Terry Rogers and Caldwell Hughes about how much life insurance do you actually need? Well, you know, and that's a question that everybody, when they sit down and you start looking at the investment pyramid and you start saying, okay, that big, huge base that people have to deal with, that is always a problem that they have to kind of figure out what they're going to talk about. And, and the reality is they have to say, okay, how much insurance, how much property and casualty do I need, how much health, you know, health insurance, and then how much life, disability, you know, uh, if they're professional, in a professional, maybe malpractice, or maybe if they, you know, how much liability coverage. If you have a swimming pool in your backyard, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But the reality is that's a fundamental question, Keith. It really is. Because you have to have the – pyramid, you have to have the foundation solidly built before you can move up. And I think that's a great way to look at that visually, because if that foundation is not solid, everything you do on top well, of that. Then it really shouldn't be doing much investing exactly at all. Right. So I wanted these guys because I really think they do a phenomenal job of counseling their clients and walking through and helping them understand. So Terry, I really want to start with you because I think one of the things that is so difficult is helping a client to get to this point and so let's start with some of the questions that you ask and how you walk through and help a client get to the point of how much life insurance is enough. Yeah, thanks, uh, Mr. Shoemaker. Um, and Keith, I appreciate it. Now, what's this Mr. Shoemaker thing? And I, Keith. I'm making I a mean, last is, time. Is not I Mr. Quinn? I just Mr. Shoemaker? No, I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't forget. Last time, I, I think I used the first name, and I, I had to redeem myself. I don't forget, man. I, he well, has I, been on the program before. That's right. You know, I'm going to work on this, you know. Uh, you know, that's just not good. Hey, I, I need it right today. But, uh, no, it's it's – Suitability. I mean, that's the key word. I mean, I, I don't care if you're talking about uh, investments, um, life insurance. I mean, you still have to get to know the client. I mean, it's when I sit out with them, it's it's a matter of what's your what's your financial rhythm. You know, mm, everyone has good. their financial rhythm. What what do you live on? What do you need monthly, um, annually, weekly? Um, and, and those are the things we consider when it comes to life insurance because it's just a um, Unfortunately, we have to consider what if something happens to me today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now, you know, we lose you. Unfortunately, what does that wife, what does that husband, what do those kids need to live on based on what that rhythm is right now? And you um, know, Terry, a lot yeah. of people don't like to talk about that. I mean, this is the part that you know a lot of conversations when you get into that, Keith. You know this that uh, you start and somebody says, "Well, that's not going to happen." I, you know, I'm 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 thirty, I'm twenty nine, I've got two kids, they're under ten, but I'm I'm healthy. I'm okay. And, 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 you know, I hear a lot of times, guys, that uh, you know, she'll go back to work. Right. And that's not always the case. So, you know, Colwell, let me, let me ask you this, you know, as we get to that. 
You know, I know in the same process, and we'll come back, Terry, I want to come back to you in a second, but Coel, when you're talking to someone, give me that first layout is, again, when a client says to you, well, she'll go back to work or something like that, how do you manage that? Well, it's it's a tough conversation for sure. And another thing with that is if they're younger, like you said, 29 or 30, um, mom and dad might take care of them is, 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 a, is a common answer that I get sometimes. And so... Uh, and that's that's a tough hurdle to get around when it comes to trying to motivate somebody to realize that they need some life insurance. Mm, that's right. So when I when when I come across that, I try to say, well, what if parents don't want to have to step in and what if parents can't or can't absolutely, and then what if she decides going back to work is not what she wants to do? She wants to take care of the kids and be a mom. Mm-hmm. Then what does it look like? And if they can kind of visualize that scenario where they really do need to take care of their family, it's a little easier to talk about, you know, X number of life insurance that they may need. Mm-hmm. Terry, I guess the thought was you were going through it a while ago and you were beginning to set this system up for us. Walk us through, you said, you know, how much money do you need a, a month or a year? What are the other What are the other items that become extremely important? You said, first of all, income. So let's say I need $5,000 a month. So what are the other things that I'm working through? That's a $60,000 a year salary. I need to cover all of that, or do I need to cover a portion of that? I got a, I'm a, I got a wife and two kids. Under the Two kids are under 10, and I got $60,000 income. Am I covering 100% of the 60000 or is there a, a magical number? I mean, it's we use a, a number called human life value, um, and, and that's basically when you consider some of those things. Um, it, it can become complex. The conversation can be complex, but the math is simple. Um, you take those numbers, you take, uh, you know, your income, uh, you multiply it out times. In the case of early demise, the husband dies early, you know, multiply his salary times the amount of years it would take for him to have retired had he lived. Um, but it's not that easy. Let's let's talk about some things that he does around the house that you may have to pay for. Uh, if you lose them. Well, that doesn't happen in my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, my wife's listening right now, and she say, that's a zero. <laughs> yeah, right. No impact there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I might you know, get replaced by cleaning the rims on the car. That's about it. Uh, not much of them fixing. But, I mean, it's, it's a reality. I mean, some men are, you know, you have a lot of men that are, you know, the, the maintenance man. I mean, but that money has to be replaced too. I Absolutely. mean, and that goes with the salary. Sure. Um, goals. What goals have we set? Um, that's not factored in just with salary. We want to keep those goals on track too. Uh, college education, uh, that second home down the road that you both were planning to get. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody's not here. We got to keep that going. And you take those numbers and you just multiply it out times, you know, uh, I, I guess a set number of years uh, until the youngest kid is out until the assumed retirement age, if he was still here. Uh, and you put those into uh, the formula. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I guess so when you think about it, I'm looking at, all right, I've got an income, I've got goals, I've got a, a system here that says I've got to replace the breadwinner. And I like the fact you said college education, that's a, that's a number that I've got to work on. And I guess, Colwell, what I'm thinking now is that I've got, I've got some specifics here. Um, Social Security, if I have minor children, I'm going to get a benefit from Social Security. So do I calculate that in automatically and then say I deduct the income need? Is that what I, how I work with that? That's one of the ways we can do it. Um, at the same time, we can we have the software that we use, mm-hmm. we have the ability to pretty much personalize it any way that we want. Mm-hmm. So in some scenarios, we want to keep Social Security in there 
because more than likely they're going to get it. They're going to get it. But in other cases, they say, well, I don't want to have to rely on Social Security to be because a big part of my income. Because there's always this fear right. that, well, Social Security is not going to pay me. I, I know that. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. So we can go from anywhere to, say, to assuming a full 100% Social Security benefit or a 50%, 20%, all the way down to we don't want to factor but it in But everybody needs to know that if you have minor children, there there is a minor benefit, a child benefit from Social Security and I would pretty much feel fairly comfortable that that money will be paid uh, if you lose a breadwinner and he was had qualified for Social Security. So that's something you need to calculate. Now then, I got this number, and, and Terry was talking about the, the reality of, uh, of multiplying times the human life value. Do, when I come up to a number, and let's say I've come up with a half a million dollars, just, I'm just using that as a number, how do I determine how much, Caldwell, is the permanent when I say permanent, going to last me for my lifetime, if I die in five years or 50 years, it's still going to be there. Or how much of its term? Well, the the first and foremost, you got to figure out your budget. Okay. You know, what what can my budget afford? And it's once like you buying fig- a car, in other words. Exactly. Or, or a house. I love to use the house example when talking about insurance. Permanent insurance is more like buying a home where you have equity in a home because you're building some cash value. Term insurance is a lot more like renting. You have no ownership. It's going to expire at some point, and it's generally a little less expensive than paying a mortgage mm-hmm. on a home. Um, so once you figure out the budget, that's that's number one. And if it fits within your budget to do a little bit of both, I I personally like to use that as an efficient way to use a little bit of term and a little bit of permanent mm-hmm. because you're utilizing the cash the best way you can. You're putting some towards the permanent that you're growing some cash value inside and you have some insurance that's going to last you your whole life. That's a big deal. You know what I think, and I know there's a a particular radio personality that uh, talks about this a lot. And um, I'm radio personality that talks about that. I'm not going to talk about that, but you know, the problem I have and and we do this every day and uh, whether or not it's um, insurance, whether or not it's, you know, investments or what, you guys are talking about whether you buy permanent or term. I know he might think that you buy only term. He doesn't understand permanent. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, you know, he doesn't even understand, I guess, the part of how much permanent insurance has changed right. in the last five, ten. And, and even even to the point where it wasn't bad 30 years ago or 40 years ago. But the reality is it is unbelievably different today. So I guess I want to say, Terry, give me some insight a little bit into just the thought process of the different types of insurance that's out there today. Uh, yeah, I mean, life insurance has come a long way. I mean, you, you, you have so many options. Um, you know, one thing you have to look at are the variable policies. Uh, a lot of people don't know all the options they have. Um, a lot of people don't know that, you know, these policies can be used uh, to fund retirement goals. They can be used to fund college savings goals. Um you have more, well, with some, you have uh, more investment options inside of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and these are well-managed companies. These are, you know, your top names uh, uh, in, in terms of investment companies. And, you know, it's it's a matter of educating the public on those options because a lot of people still, a lot of people I deal with still have the 30 years ago in mind. Sure. They know whole life and term. Yeah. Uh, and they barely know term. Um, I don't want to get into a, too much, but, you know, variable policies, um, you have the index policies. The index policies, you know, give you a more safer ride, you know, for the ones that don't want to step totally out there in the market. Uh, the cash value is tied to uh, your major indexes, like mm-hmm. your S&P 500s. Um, and you, you have a certain amount that you can earn in that uh, ride. 
but your your cap to the zero floor if it goes negative. So it's 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 really just a matter of educating the public on you know these newer, um, more convenient life policies. Okay, I guess one of the things too, and everybody needs to know this: when you look at valuing whether it's permanent or term, as Caldwell was saying, and then you get into the particular type. You always have to look deeper inside before you make a decision. You need to know the expenses. Yes. I mean, you need to know the, the I mean, you know, what's the cost for the investment side? And, and of course, Definitely. And, and do you know the financial stability of the company you're buying? So it's not just an automatic, okay, slam dunk, do it this way. There is some education that needs to take place. And I want to tell the listing audience, these are two guys that are more than willing to walk someone through and help them know the things. And, they do this every day and not uh, radio programs, and that's the difference. They're professionals. We, I we, have zero hesitation about recommending either one of these guys. And because I think what they do is they listen to the client, and they spend an enormous amount of time finding out what the client's needing, and then they take the product and talk with the client that's right. and help the client understand the product. And I, and I would say that anybody listening, if you don't understand the product, you back away. And, and I can say this about these two guys here. If they don't explain the product to you, you back away. And I would say this, if you don't understand it, that's okay. You're not supposed to understand this. You know, this is incredibly complicated. Do not hesitate to ask a question about it. Ask the question. details, ask the details. Ask a, absolutely. Always ask a question and, uh, and get to the point where you have a good enough, strong enough understanding that you can make an intelligent decision. A lot of people buy, uh, because they feel like they have to, but they're not sure what they're buying. And I would say buyer beware if you don't understand enough about it that you feel comfortable, that's when you shouldn't do that. I think that's exactly right. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Uh, we're going to take a break, go to Charles Osgood, check out the Osgood file, but stick around. We'll be right back with Caldwell Hughes and Terry Rogers. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every Friday morning from 8 to 9 by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results. You know, we're talking with Caldwell Hughes and Terry Rogers, and we're talking about how much life insurance do you need to buy and then and what types, you know, home, you know, permanent or term and you know, we we commented about a particular radio program that may not always agree that you buy permanent, or he always maybe says you buy this. And again, I, I'm not debating him, and that's not our purpose. But I think what I'm trying to say is there's so much in this industry that you can't just have a blanket and throw it over that and say that's the way it is. I mean, we do this every day, and this every, is not a one size fits all no, proposition. No, it's not, and you, and I really get disappointed sometimes in, in somebody thinking that. And so, what I, I want these guys to do, and they're doing a great job of, of guiding us through this. And so, Coel, let's go back to to a very specific topic about the human life value, because so many times that's a that's a topic that people don't understand, and yet it you know you go back to nine eleven. And when you had all these claims going on because of the Twin Towers collapsing and families were having to be taken care of, you had children, you had all these problems, the courts went to and said, hey, it's the human life value that will be the benefit paid to these families. And that was a very specific number. So guide us through so we clearly understand what the human sure. life value Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And, and more times than not, when I'm sitting down with these young professionals, that are newly married, usually they have at least a little bit of life insurance. 
So my first question to him is, you know, why did you buy this $500,000 term policy? Well, more times than not, they say, well, my dad told me as soon as I got married, I needed $500,000 a term for 20 years. And that was just picked out of the sky. (laughs) Absolutely. So one of the things that we can immediately add value to our clients is helping them grasp why they need that amount and what it's going to be for. So that's how you calculate how much life insurance you need. You're going to take things into consideration, such as if you have a mortgage, you want to pay the mortgage off. You want to pay for kids' college. Wife may not want to go back to work, so you want to provide some income, and that's the human life value. And the way you do that is you just take your annual salary, multiply it by the years that you're going to need to fund income for your spouse, and then we usually factor in 3% of inflation year over year mm. to, uh, to add the cost of living on top of that. You know, I can remember working with young people years and years ago, and I would talk about that, as you just said. And, Terry, you said it earlier, and, and what I want to come back to you, Terry, is but. But the reality is that uh, I think the thing that people do is I remember having to protect my wife and two kids during my working years when they were young. Right. And I remember people saying, well, you're not going to need the insurance, you know, when you're 65 and retire. You've accumulated enough. I can tell you this today. I am 65 and I've accumulated enough to retire and I don't have any problems to retire. I promise you that I can look at my wife and say, well, I don't need insurance. She wouldn't agree with that. And there's a lot of reasons why she wouldn't agree with that because, you know, maybe we still have a little bit. We don't have a mortgage, but maybe we got a debt on a second home. Or It's just the reality is that I don't want her wondering about the financial strength of our family. So that's why that permanent coverage has been very important. During some earlier years, I did use Coel, as you said. I used some term in there, and I, and I kind of balanced it back and forth in in process of converting some of the term when I felt I needed to, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is it's, it's different when you start, and as you get closer to college ages, you can pull some of the cash values. I can tell you this, from a cash value standpoint of life insurance, I could guarantee you there's tons of people that I've worked with over the years that thanked me because they kept the businesses open right. because they could pull from cash value in the insurance. They were able to buy a business because they pulled from the cash value of their insurance. They were able to, I mean, buy the second home, all kinds of things because they've had all the opportunities to use the cash value inside the policies at different times. I mean, I, it's just it's an ongoing thing. I don't think you can overstate the impact that this has. And, you know, I think maybe we'll do a show one time and just talk about some stories of people who have Absolutely. used this. I, you I mean, know, it's... first of all, Walt Disney started Disneyland with <laughs> right. cash value right. life insurance. So, exactly. I mean, I love that story. But uh, my dad kept there you go. There I mean, we have go. an advisor in our office who her mother has paid her mortgage for 25 years off their, off life, their insurance life insurance policy. Right, yeah. Terry, I want to just can kind of a closing thought here for you. Know as, as you're as you're talking with a client, kind of give me the summary thoughts that you know that when a client says I don't need this, how do you help a client get past that? Well, speaking of stories, I mean, I, I've I had one recently. This is actually very recent. Um, I had a client say to me, you know, I don't need this. I, I don't need. Um, I don't think I need this much insurance. I think it was sort of his wording. Um, I looked him in the eye, and I mean. Straight up. I mean, his wife was there. Um, we were kind of connected eye to eye. I said, with all due respect, sir, you know, if you die, you know, the grieving process will be there. You'll be missed, but you won't be here. Uh, at that point, it won't be about you. I mean, at that point, it literally won't be about you. There's a surviving spouse. There's, there's some kids still here that have to be sustained. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lifestyle they're accustomed to. 
the wife shops a certain way. The kids expect uh, certain things. They're in a certain school. Um, you know, they have their life rhythm. Mm. We all have our rhythms. Um, I, I like to use that term because we can all relate to that. We all live in our wavelengths. And how do we keep that going? How do we keep them in that lifestyle? I use simple math. Uh, say a guy makes um, 50000 10 to 15 times his salary is a good starting point. You should be at a minimum thinking about those numbers. That guy needs uh, 500000 in insurance. Split it up, 250 term, 250 permanent. Uh, you make a hundred thousand. Ten times that is easily a million. Well, I mean, you know, split it up: two fifty permanent, seven fifty uh, term. So you get a lot I mean, of playing room there. So we got playing room. Doctors, you make quarter of a million a year, easily. Ten times that, two point five million dollars at a minimum. We need to at least that should be the starting point. That's our starting point, um, and we can split that up in term and permanent. But I mean, that's where we get past the um, we get past the reluctance and just show them the reality of. You know, there's there's some lives that depend on you, even if you're not here. You know, uh, that's that's. I mean, I love the way you put their lives depend on you. I I have a thought process that I've shared with clients in the past, and this has always been very much of a visual for me because I I think I've dealt with that. If you get used to watching, you know, uh, HD flat screen, sixty inch color, brilliant TV. You don't want to go back to watching the 14-inch black and white. No, you do not. And that's what we're saying sometimes. And, and <laughs> you know, that people get caught up in saying, well, that's okay. If something happens to me, she'll survive and the kids will survive. And that's really not what we're talking about. And also, Terry mentioned that, you know, and both of Caldwell and Terry, and you guys have done a great job, is the difference between buying some permanent and some term. And the reality is it's not about whether – I've never had a client come to me or a, a, a spouse of a client – and, and asked me, was this permanent insurance or was this term insurance? They just wanted to know how much insurance is going to be right. paid. Hmm. And, and, and that's that's the key. How many dollars are going to be coming in? When's it going to be here? I can remember delivery, delivering my first claim check, and it was to a widow, had two little boys. I had just insured this physician uh, back then, uh, Caldwell, and uh, – Perfect example of a great guy. I mean, he was healthy as a rock and no problem. And it was all term because at that point in his life, that's all he could afford. But we bought a sizable amount of term. And he dies because he aspirates. It's Christmas morning and he dies from being having the flu. And he goes and lays down and vomits and aspirates and chokes to death and passes away. 32 years old, two little boys, and she's pregnant with the third. And, I'll, and, you know, when I delivered the check, I kept her. And you know what she said? I don't have to get married. And that's incredibly powerful. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what we do, and that's what we do every day. And that's the, the difference between just buying term insurance or buying permanent. It's really working with the client, as you guys have done such a good job of helping us understand that you spend time understanding what the client needs. It's not about how much permanent. It's not about how much term. It's about how many dollars. Are you going to deliver to the client? So I guess what we're saying to every client, every prospect, every person we talk to, every person that's listening, it, don't worry about whether it's permanent term. Just buy what you need to protect your family. That's right. And don't think you're invincible. I mean, there are very few absolutes in life, but one of them is none of us are going to get out alive. No. <laughs> we just don't know when. I think when. that's going to happen. We just <laughs> don't know when is exactly. Guys, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank We've you. got uh, a great program. Great job, boys. You've done a, a good job for us. We thank you so much. And, you know, we've got uh, a program coming up, and uh, we're going to continue after we go through this break in a second. 
I'm looking forward to hearing you talk to me about how to be diversified and how to be able to be comfortable if we have a downturn. I think it'll be fascinating. I think it's going to be <laughs> phenomenal. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. But now let's take a break and go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment. Stick around and we'll be right back to give you some tips on not losing sleep when the market corrects. Welcome back. I just love this music. <laughs> He's doing a great job with the music. Art, art just keeps us moving, you know? It's Art it's Frederick, our program up. director. It's keeps wake us up straight. and get moving on a Friday morning. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and I get to interview Mr. Keith Quinn because, you know, the whole idea is there's some ways. When we look at the market, when we think about what's going on in the market, we're up to 2.5%, 2.6%, I think. Since uh, January, which is kind of a sluggish, but it's kind of normal. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's kind of a market that we would expect. Last year, this time we were up over thirteen percent. That's not a normal market. That was an exciting, you know, robust, you know, type of market. But Way more straight up last year. A lot more volatility lot this year. This year, and and it's kind of normal. And so everybody talks about it. I mean, you know, we've got some issues in Europe and the Ukraine and all the problems with Russia and all that's kind of there. But the reality is, how do you stay invested? And Keith, I think, you know, when we talk about um, whether it's whether it's just sleep or and, I, you know, we talked about that from the standpoint, it's the sleep factor and the sleep factor. Right. I mean, how can I stay comfortable? How can I keep my emotions? We've talked about the seven deadly sins. And the reality is one of those is your emotions get out of control. Now, if we, you and we mean if you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're worried about the open tomorrow, which I used to do an awful lot, yeah, <laughs> then, you know, but that is not a good thing. That's a, that's a, that's a thing that you have to manage. So I want to go through this with you because I think our listeners, this is the type of program that I, you know, that is so critical for people to hear and to understand. Now, also. If you're listening and you would like a copy, this is he called it the Callan Report, and it's because it was designed early on by a man named Callan. And the reality is, it's a it's about diversified portfolios. We'll send you a copy of this. And bottom line is, it is an extremely interesting. It goes from 1998 to 2013. All you have to do send us a self-addressed stamped envelope to 2176 West Street. That's Germantown, Tennessee 38138. 2176 West Street, Germantown, Tennessee, 38138. Send it to Shoemaker Financial in care of Keith Quinn. Or stop by the office. Or they can stop by the office. And again, that's 2176 West Street, Germantown, Tennessee. And we'll be glad to give you one of these. It's something we look at all the time, and it's shocking that most of the time people don't really know that this exists. They don't. It's, uh, I think it's one of the things that we take for granted because, again, we do look at it an awful lot, and it, it really influences how we think about investing. But it's really powerful when you start looking at the numbers. All right. So with that in mind, sir, and, and to make sure that we keep ourselves very compliant and everybody loves us the way we do this and, and we don't get in trouble, uh, I want to make sure that I say this right, and I'm looking for my notes, and I can't find it, so oh. I, I know we're <laughs> Well, Whatever. I can tell you that past performance is not, not indicative of future results. That's, that's <laughs> Never a buy a variable product without looking at a prospectus. Uh, there uh, you go. Those are, that keeps <laughs> us out of trouble, doesn't it? Uh, you know, the whole idea was what are some ways to be able to, using the word sleep 
through a down market. So give us some some thoughts there, Keith. Right. One of the things we want to do and we sleep through is is, is don't get caught up in the headlines. Turn off the news. And, and I kind of mean that literally, and I'm saying it a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I know we can't really do that a lot of times. But don't get caught up in this 24-hour news cycle because the headlines will invariably look like the world is coming to an end. We saw it in the fall of 2008. Whenever we have a correction, and now let's remember, a technical correction is 10% in the markets. When we pull back 10%, the headlines are going to look awful. It will sound like doom and gloom. You have to kind of ignore that. And, you know, we have some studies that have shown us how uh, investors' perceptions change. So after 2008, 2008 was a terrible year for the U.S. stock market. Well, let me do this, all right? Okay. Okay, 2008 was a bad year. Everybody got caught up into that. You're talking about the news media. That's right. So if I'm listening to the news media, and, you know, I I ought to ask Art this, but the reality is what did he perceive would have been the down? What would have he thought looking at the market in 2009, thinking that, you know, boy, in the first three months, it was horrible. Remember, there was a word called capitulation. Oh, right. Sure. And everybody dived out and, you know, the market just. It was Dow 5000. That was that. In fact, we were talking about a complete crash. We were. I mean, everything. So, uh, all right. What was the perception of most everybody that the market did in 2009? Okay. So then we took a survey of investors and asked them whether they thought the market was up, down, or flat in 2009. 66% of the respondents thought the market was down or flat in 2009. Now, that was based purely on what happened in 2008. And and, and basically the media. So let's think about that. Two-thirds of the people said the market was down or flat. All right. The listeners, two out of three are saying market was down or flat. Down or flat. And what was it? And it was up 26.5%. Why did we miss that? Uh, negative. We hold these negative emotions, and they're incredibly powerful. Uh, and that fear overrides sometimes our logic. Okay, so what? Can, let's let's look at a couple of more years, and then see what we can learn from this. Give me, give me. That was nineteen. That was two thousand and nine. That was two thousand nine. Two thousand. So two thousand and ten. Now we're two years out from two thousand and eight. Okay, so is that negative still hanging around? Fifty percent of the people still think still? we were flat or down. And up fifteen point one percent. So that's two years in a row. The two big years. Up. That's two, good years. Two big years in the and markets. Yet up to 50% still. Still had the perception that the market was down Is that flat. telling you that the media is powerful? It's telling you that the media is incredibly powerful and that bad news sells. We've talked about that a lot. And bad news holds. We, we hold on to bad that news. That does. And we, and we remember it. We fearful. Um, All right. Now now let's look at 2000. And, and now actually 2011 had some had some ups and downs. It was not a great year. It wasn't. And remember, we had some pretty significant things that went on in 2011 that we would call, for lack of a better term, black swans. Uh, You know, we had a credit downgrade in the U.S. We had the tsunami in Japan. We had a lot of global things that really did kind of impact sentiment. Obviously, again, the media was telling us what was happening. And the media was absolutely touting these stories every day. What did it say? Whether the market was up, down, or flat, and 70% of the respondents thought it was down or flat. Seventy okay. percent, more than two thirds of the people thought it was down or flat, and and we were up two point one percent. Two point one. So basically, I wouldn't say flat, but but almost. But up. Yeah, just up. But a so this is the sentiments reversed again, and then we now, move now on. Here, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's three consecutive three consecutive years, years three consecutive the, up years, and yet those the sentiment, the best that the people have thought is fifty percent. By the way, who did this survey? I, I remember this it was is Franklin Templeton. Franklin Templeton, right. yeah, and that's a survey of just the general public. That's just yes, over two thousand respondents. Right, so it's a very statistically sound, yes, you know, type yes. of survey. Not something they just picked out of the clear blue sky. 
All right, I'm looking now at the third or 2012. That's one we can almost go back and remember. Right. So what was the sentiment? And now, you know, we're four years out from 2008, and yet a third of the people, 30%, still thought we were flat or down in 2012. And the market was? Up 16%. Now we've had four big years. There's a trend here. Okay. All right. Now, here's what I'm looking for. When does it finally get less than a fourth of the people? You know, at least one out of four is saying it's got to be, you know, bad. But the rest of the people, 75% saying, hey, it's a good year. So what would that have been? And that's last year. Well, I guess so. (laughs) So after 2008, we've had all of these up years. We're up 26%, up 15, up 2, up 16. And last year, people finally start buying into the idea that the market is doing well. And in that survey, when we asked whether the market is up, down, or flat, only 16% thought that we were flat or down. So more than uh, you know, 75% thought that we were in an up market last year, and we were with a 32% return. All right. Now, we talk about that becomes that optimism that begins to cycle in with people thinking about that. So Scary. I, it is scary because that optimism sets in. Now we see people moving into the market. They've missed four Good years. They have. Because they've stayed out of the market due to fear. This is going back to the first scenario that you gave us. The reality is turn off the news, or if you're going to listen to it, don't get fearful from it. They get this optimism. They begin to buy in, and now we're going to see maybe there's a correction coming. I mean, obviously, we're into the over 60 months of this run, bull market. Right. The average bull market's over about 58, so we're already past the average. So uh, we are. And again, as we've talked about, this is the fifth longest stretch in the last 50 years that we've gone without a 10% correction. So at some point, you know, a correction is almost a, a certainty. Uh, but, and that's why we're not scared but of we it, can't, because we, we understand You it. can't be able to depend on when it's going to happen. Oh, gosh, I have no idea when. It, but the reality <laughs> is, okay, if it happens, it happens. It happens. If it happens. I'm a long-term investor, I'm not involved in what happens for today, tomorrow. And most of our people tell us that the reality is it cycles through. It's not going to be one of those long-term uh, downturn, as even this last downturn in 2008 and 2009 was not a long-term downturn. And when it came back, it came back strong. That's right. That's right. We just have to realize this on the front end, and you've got to stay focused on the, on your discipline. Well, again, all right, when we come back, you've just pretty much nailed it for us that stay out of the news and, 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 and get a discipline that you can say, I'm not going to get emotionally involved. Now, when we come back, we got to go fast. We will. I want you to cover the stuff that you've got for us, focusing on the future. Uh, don't, you know, put remembrance of the past, but, but understand how you need to stay with it and invest. I'm looking forward to you telling us some things about that. You just joined us. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, see what's going on around town with traffic and weather. Check out the stock market. We will be right back. I guess you see, cut us back on. I guess I'm supposed to be doing this, right? I love it when you put me on this, B. I mean, you know, I got to. I thought you wanted to do well, it. I know, but I, you know, I was. Uh, you I want just, me to do it? Hey, I welcome know. back to. <laughs> I got it. Here's Jim Shoemaker. No, I got it. I got it. I just realized I'm looking at something. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, Art's playing. Yeah, I like it, you know. All right, here's what we're talking about. And, you know, we, you know, it's live radio. What can I say? We talked about turn off the news. I want everybody to remember, if you want a copy of this diversified portfolio extreme called the Callan chart, just send us a self-addressed stamped envelope, 2176 West Street, 
2176 West Street, Germantown, Tennessee, 38138. And uh, we'll put it in the envelope for you and send it back to you. And it's, it's interesting. You'll like it. It is. And, and, and uh, you know, you started earlier and you said uh, what was the top number one 10-year, or well, this goes from 1998 to 2013, based on this calendar chart. Now, we've got, we've got what a diversified portfolio does over the period, but the number one all the way across the board, the best. Well, I want to start with something else, though. Right, I want to start with the worst the year worst, ever okay, out worst. of all of these all years right, okay. that we have. So going back to 1998, what was the worst performing asset category ever? Well, um, I would have to say cash. Well, yes, but the biggest loss of any category. Oh, well, now that would go to emerging markets. That's that would go to be, emerging markets in 2008, down yeah, 53%. 53%. I would abandon them right there. 53%. Wouldn't, that's wouldn't more anything. than half of your money's gone. Right, gone. 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 I wouldn't buy that. How could you stick with that? That would be terrible. That's insane. That's right. But it's not. <laughs> you really set me up. Here's the thing. I mean, again, number one, what's the number one investment sector since 1998 of all the sectors? And we're talking about everything from high yield bonds to international equity. Stocks, which have done so great recently, small caps, absolutely. everything. So what's the number one best investment? Emerging markets. Isn't that amazing? Well, it's, you know, with an 11.5% return, averaging an 11.5% since 98. But the point is, 2008, like we said, you're down 53%. You must get out of the market. If you get out of the market, you miss 2009. Which is up? 79%. You know, I mean, what is that trying to, what are we trying to say to people with that? Uh, Don't time the market. Don't time the market. In fact, we've got a little, you know, scenario where we've got this. Or don't try and time the market because you can't time it. You can't time it. You're going to miss it. In fact, if you miss a couple of the best days, you know, if you just a couple of the best days, you can literally uh, not get a good return. And, you know, this. this, And we have a study that looks at returns from January of 98 to December of 2012. And it's a hypothetical $10,000 invested uh, investment invested into the S&P 500. And it takes out 13. Okay. So if you, if you invested that and stayed invested the entire time, you end up with $19,282. Again, that's on a $10,000 investment. You end up with 19,282. But if If, you time the market, if you time the market and you screw around and miss even two of the best days, that 19000 drops down to 15598 That's a pretty high opportunity cost. And here's what people need to understand. When they start, when we're talking about the reality of how to manage yourself through some type of a correction. That, because everybody said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. One of the problems is this whole idea of fear and greed. And you know the cycles. Right. We talked about that optimism, and then they get into the market. And we saw that with that study you were showing earlier. Finally, in 2013, at least, you know, at only 16% of the people thought the market was down. They had right. over 80% thinking it's up. Finally, everybody else prior to that said no. So what happens? They move into that excitement from optimism to excitement to thrill to euphoria. And everybody says, hey, I feel great. I'm ready to get into the market. And then the market corrects. Corrects. And then all of a sudden you goes anxiety, denial, fear, depression. You remember those days? Uh, sure. And then panic. Start second-guessing yourself. Maybe Absolutely. I shouldn't be in the markets. Uh, you're listening to the news. And then I used the word earlier, capitulation. You capitulate. I've had enough. I've I can't enough. take it. I can't take it. And I get out. I'm down 53%. And I'm I out. I get out. I can't, I can't. And so then all of a sudden, everybody is despondent. I am not. And so what we said earlier, all those people that were saying the market was down consistently 
and the market's up, they're not paying attention. They're despondent, and that's the problem. Then all of a sudden, depression sets in. You know, that's and right. then they get all of a sudden there's hope because the market begins to turn around and we have a couple of pretty good years. Maybe it's not so bad. And yeah. And so, hey, relief. I can make. And all of a sudden I'm optimistic. And so I start investing. again. Start investing again. And guess what? It's a cycle. <laughs> the market will correct. So if we look at a portfolio since 1998 that was diversified, and we talk about diversification, and I'm talking about if you look at this calendar chart again, if you want a copy of this, all you have to do is send us a self-addressed, a stamped envelope, 2176 West Street in Germantown, Tennessee, Shoemaker Financial, attention to Keith Quinn. We'll send you a copy of it. Or stop by the office. Yeah, stop by the office, and we'll give it to you. But it's a diversified portfolio. If you were diversified equally in every one of these sectors, equally now, not not thinking about, you know, what type of asset allocation, but just diversifying, the average return over that period of time was almost 7%. Almost 7%. Just simply because you're diversifying. You know, and, and diversification is so important. And we talk about it a lot. And one of the things that we say is, you know, we're never going to own enough. And I think Nathan said this when we had him on, Nathan Green. We're never going to own enough of any one thing to make a killing in it. But we're never going to own enough of any one thing to get killed by it. No. So I, I guess what we're trying to say is, how do you, what are ways that you get through this? Bottom line, asset allocation, diversification, stick to it, stay disciplined, and have a long-term thought. Your goals haven't changed no matter what's happened to the market. Do not lose patience. It is going to take time. We know that on the front end. I hope you've enjoyed our show today. I want to thank (laughs) Caldwell Hughes and Terry Rogers, Hart Frederick, our program director, Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator, Jeff Long, our compliance officer, Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments, and Rebecca Brazier, who reads them. I am Keith Quinn. I like it seeing you move. (laughs) I'm Jim Shoemaker. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.